Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another edition of Causeway Kings here on the WMEX Sports Podcast Network. And we are in post postseason. It is a sad day, but the matchups make it somewhat work viable. I don't know. I think so. Anyway, your friend Ben here as always, Adam Clancy, Brian Johnston, Merrill Marshall, and none of which have a smile on their kisses. Boys, it was a rough series, but it went to seven, and now we got to uh, look at Elimination Cafe. A little shout out there for the boys. Uh, Clance, you want to get us started off on this one? Yeah, no. Uh, it's great to see the guys. Uh, good to have BJ back back on track. They finally let him <laughs> out of prison for fucking, you know, doing funny stuff on corners of the street. But, hey, he's back, and he's with us, and that's all that matters. Um, we got Merrill, who can basically just go fuck himself, talk, sh- talk, talk shit about me to his coworkers. Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> is all, this is all lies, people. <laughs> uh, but no, it's good to be back. You know, good to, you know, obviously B series didn't go the way we wanted it to, but you know, there, there was a, you know, a lot of positive things that came out of that, but obviously some negatives as well, but you know, I'm looking forward to taking a deeper dive into it. Yeah, this is called the um, the postmortem edition of uh, Causeway Kings, where we uh, we perform an autopsy that was the Bruins season uh, playoff series against the Carolina Hurricanes, and um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're gonna when you lose in the first round, it's mostly bad and ugly. So um, we'll uh, we'll dissect it all for you here on this episode. That's right. That's right. And uh, like like everybody else said, of course, BJ, welcome back. Good to have you back, buddy. Let's get right into it. So, BJ, you're a free man. How much hockey did you actually get to see and or hear or decipher through text messages? Uh, no, I get to see a good amount. Like, the, the good thing is they have, you know, cable in the hospital. <laughs> it's, it's allowed. So TNT, TBS, they were all channels. So I was able to see most of the early rounds. So, yeah, unfortunately, the first two games of the Broad Series I did see, which Probably made me feel worse at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if you said to me, like, after those first two games, if they get to a game seven, I would have said, that's a win. After getting, like, literally run out of the building, mm-hmm. the scoreboard and physically, that those first two games. So I think at least they showed a little bit of fight to get to game seven. Um, I just think they came up a little short on the, they just couldn't score. Other than that top line, you know, the, the middle guys and the, Bottom six just really didn't do much. No, not at all. Well, a lackluster effort. Uh, it is what it is, and that's all that we're left with is the tattered pieces thereof. But I don't think it's necessarily the uh, – oh, who am I kidding? This this core is Gonzo's. Depending on what Berge does no. in the next couple of weeks or months, however long it takes him to decide what he wants to do with his life, honestly, that's, that's when we know what we're really looking at here because – that's the monumental last piece. I didn't realize this. They said it on the broadcast. It's just Bergeron and Marshan. That's it left from the 2011 team. And, I mean, you can. Oh, yeah. li- it's less than a hand. I mean, it, the window is closed. It, it's a done deal. We are officially somewhat rebuilding. If n- I don't think it's a complete rebuild, obviously, but we are definitely going to be rebuilding. There's no way around it. Uh, We're down to a lobster claw, Ben. That's it. That's it. Just two. Just a, you know, that's it. That's just a lobster club. What's left of the cup team. So 
Time to start looking to the future, guys. It's what it is, you know. And, hey, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think the Bruins drafted well in the last few years. I don't think they did. I mean, I think we covered this in our last show, or I heard it somewhere. Their picks have been abysmal. A very low percentage of them have even made it to the big league. Lo and behold, played more than 20 games. And that can't happen. You can't run an NHL franchise organization drafting like that. that That's madness. I mean, by all means, I'm sure everybody else here has played the video game and drafted. There's a little bit of feng shui to these kinds of things, even in real life, obviously. Merrill, your take on the drafts. The drafts, again, this is what you're seeing come home to roost. And um, when I talked about um, in the beginning of the season, uh, in, in the off season, when I said, hey, you know, if, if you know, Sweeney ends up losing his job, it's going to be because he didn't draft well enough. And when you, you're watching these playoffs and you're seeing the likes of Sebastian Ajo, and Matt, you know, Matt Barzal going back and Anthony Bavillier and just all these players that they passed up on drafting and players they could have had um, on the, at the trade deadline, Max Domi. Um, it, it's hard to, it's hard not to point the finger at Sweeney. Um, now, has he been a zero completely? No. I mean, he's made the playoffs every single year except for his first year um, in his tenure as GM. But, you know, what you're seeing now is is that sort of decline where you don't have – they have no centers in the system that are ready to come in and play right now. None. I mean, I'm just looking at their drafts. I mean, Brett Harrison was from last year. I mean, basically throw out the last couple of drafts just because those guys aren't going to be ready. I think, like, so it will be up uh, with the big club next season. Um, but John, B- John Beecher, they're still in the crux of their drafts of when they were drafting players as ceilings of having third line, bottom six skill sets. You're not drafting, you know, John Beecher and then guys who are playing like Trent Frederick, Trent Frederick was a first round pick. That is unacceptable to have a player like Trent Frederick in as a first round pick with a bottom six skill set. Uh, it just, you know, I, I found it laughable reading the scouting report of Frederick coming out. They were saying, oh, he has the potential to be David Backus. I mean, I feel like that's insulting to David Backus because we forget David Backus on the St. Louis Blues was a freaking 30 goal score, 150 penalty minute guy. Like, it's, you know, Backus when he was in his prime was a hell of a player. Trent Frederick, you, you could clearly see you know, his, his skating on the ice, his instincts, his, his ability to just, you know, shoot a puck, nowhere close to David Backus. So just the evaluation overall. I mean, yes, have they made some good picks? Yeah, absolutely. They drafted Trent Frederick. I mean, uh, Charlie McAvoy in the Trent Frederick draft. Um, but again, the death knell of Sweeney, if he ends up losing his job, is a 2015 draft. It's just there was so much talent that he passed on or, or, or missed evaluated that i mean eventually you knew it unless they won a cup it was it was going to end up uh being the sword hanging over his head yeah the um just looking at the the you know past drafts and realistically going back i mean you got you know the only first round draft picks that really have amount to anything are mcavoy in the 16 draft past the in the 14 draft after that i mean 
That was Sweeney. Pastor yeah. drafted Sweeney, uh, Sweeney drafted him. Yeah, so I mean, th- those are really the only two good picks he, he's made since he's been GM, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it's I, I don't think LaSalle is going to be up at the big club next year. I just, I mean, yeah, he had a he had a good season in junior, but he wasn't blowing it out of the water. He wasn't putting up 90-plus points a season like some of these kids do that are first-round draft picks. He put up, I think, what, like 58 points? 62. Or something like that. 62 in like 54 games or something like that, or 55, whatever it was. But he's not blowing it out of the water. You know, it's like you're not hearing about, oh, Fabian LaSalle just put up 111 points in 65 games for the, you know, Vancouver Grizzlies or whoever he's playing for. Like, is he a good player? Yeah. Do I think he's going to be the, the missing link to bring us to the promised land? No, I don't. No. I think he needs to do another year, maybe two of juniors or, or even going overseas and playing in like, you know, like the Swedish elite league or something like that, where like, you know, top, top players go and play, you know, um, John Beecher. I literally am calling it right now that he is going to be a first round bust. Yeah. He, he was not, has not been a factor at the university of Michigan since he's been there. Um, they and they're giving him like the max contract for entry level three years nine twenty five a year, which is the most you can make as a rookie, I believe, in your entry level deal. Correct. Yeah. So it's he's not going to step in and be a difference maker, you know. Um, so I, I think they need to go out and be very strategic in the off season. Where, I mean, Bergeron already came out and said like he's not going to play. He does not want to play anywhere else but Boston. But there's obviously been zero contract talks that have been surfaced. I personally think he's done. I think he's going to retire. Which, hey, if he does, hats off to the guy. He had an amazing career. Hall of he, was an, he was an amazing leader. 100% Hall of Famer. Um, then from there, you look at, you know, you got Marshawn, right? Only probably has another two, two maybe three years left in him. They're probably going to have to trade him away to bring some young, you know, young, fresh legs and talent in there. Um, so you don't think he's earned enough of a spot to stay despite any type of rebuild? I mean, he's, again, one of those last pieces. I mean, if anything, if Bergeron does hang him up, who's the next captain? Wouldn't it make sense to be him if he stayed? He's not going to be. He, He's not. Not if he's getting suspended every, every exactly. 10 minutes. He's not. I don't think he's going to be a captain. I think, honestly. I think the next guy on that team that's going to wear the C is going to be McAvoy. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and here's the thing, Ben. What are you going to – if you're going to look for your next captain, you, Pasta, cannot, maybe. you, you can't give it – no, Pasta is not a captain. You've you got to give it to someone that's going to be there long term for your next captain. Marshawn, like I said, two, maybe three years. That's really not enough time for him to be a, a true captain of a team. That's what they did to Bergie, though, in the first place, if you think about it. He's had to see, what, two seasons, three tops? Yeah, but Bergey, I think, is has leadership qualities and drive in him. Marshawn does not. They identified Bergeron as a leader early on. <laughs> Mike O'Connell did. I mean, he, he the only reason why he really wasn't named the captain was because they signed, uh, you know, going into the Dave Lewis horror show, they signed uh, Zidane O'Chara. And that was part of the deal of Chara coming to the Bruins was that he had to be – that was written in the contract that he had to be the captain – but 
they identify O'Connell identified for all the, the shit. And it was truly a horrendous deal. The Thornton deal, not to re- rehash that, but they had identified him early, early on, like after his rookie year that like this kid is something special. Um, I don't think anybody works harder than Marshan. I just think out of your captain, you need to have some level headedness and you need to have some dependability of being in the lineup. And Marshan just is not that guy. Um, even, you know, Chara played a physical game in his prime, but I mean, he wasn't doing the shit that Marshan did. I, I mean, like you knew it was just Jano Chara was going to be in the lineup unless he, you know, unless he took a puck to the face. And even in then he was still in the lineup. Like, With a wired Brad, shut draw. I mean, for as much as I love Marshan, he's just too volatile to be a captain. I don't see him sticking around for a rebuild. I don't think he'd want to. No, yeah. I think they're going to say, "Hey, listen, we're not going to bring, we're not going to keep you as a captain to for a rebuild. Like, we're going to let you go somewhere to give you a chance to win a cup before yeah. you end your career." Um, you know, and again, like the guy has forfeited over four million dollars in salary due to suspensions. But if you but, yeah. you got to make you got to make that count because that's the one asset you have to make up for like the last five years of not bringing in anything young. I mean, you would trade him for center not to, I mean, I know, I know we haven't really gone over the series itself yet. Um, we'll get to that, but just like, I, I could see him going to like the Vegas golden Knights. Like that's a team that had disappointing year loaded with talent. Maybe, you know, again, just th- spitball in here. So nobody, uh, nobody give me an elbow to the face just yet. Clance um, like Chandler Stevenson, <laughs> Chandler Stevenson for Marshand, a first-round pick and a prospect, maybe. Stevenson's a center; he fills a need. You know, Jack Eichel has a has a top line, another winger to play with, or you know, only other place I could see him going is Pittsburgh. Yeah, him and him and Crosby are buddies. They train together in the off season. They skate together in the summers. Both from Nova Scotia. The, the, that I could see being a good fit. Now we're teammates with Latang and Junior. It looks it looks like Crosby staying. It looks like Malkin staying. It looks like Tanger staying. Um. So I mean that I think could be he could slide in there and be a second. You know, over there he'd probably be a second or third liner. But fuck Brad Marchand on your third line scoring thirty plus goals a season. Not too bad not playing hard minutes either in terms of like, he's not going to, you know, he, he maybe gets a, he, he gets kind of like the, uh, I can see him as a second line on that team though. No, nah, that team's dead deep, man. They got Jeff Carter. Getzel. He's not going it. Getzel. Getzel's on the, he's a winger though. He's a first. Getzel's wrong. Are, are we talking about guys you're trading for or just talking about guys? If my, no, I'm, like where, no, I'm just talking about where he, where I think where he'd line up. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, Again, you put him. He's your third line winger. With not, Jeff Carter, that's sick. Not breaking your body, so your body, He's going to be more well rested, which reduces you know the 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 chance of injury. <laughs> what's the, I don't know what their cap is. No, I mean his six. What's he six seven five or six five? He's uh he's, I think he's, he's like up six, there. Seven, I think he's like just over six right now. But again, he probably knows that he's not going to go get. Seven plus eight million dollars a year. He's probably going to get two years, maybe twenty. Okay. You no, know, I would say maybe like fifteen million. Marshan, you know, six one 
in the next three years, six one. Yeah, so yeah, he's, he's under contract for three years. That makes that makes him easy to trade though, or easier to trade. You, yep. I mean, he's got a no move clause. Um, he'd have to waive it. Um, if Bergeron retires and they really go full rebuild, I I could see him maybe if he's going to like a real cup contender, you know, like a Vegas or even yeah. a, a Pittsburgh. Mean, he had to, I, how are you yeah, seeing he, Vegas is a cup contender? They didn't make the fucking playoffs this year because they just missed the playoffs. I mean, I, I mean, we do, and they've gone to shit since Eichel started playing for them. They just fired their coach. Yeah, they still got way too much talent though. They got Mark Stone. They got Pacioretty. Like that's yeah, they're getting old. They got he was old. on the he was on the LTIR for half the season. Well, so I mean, they're not going to they're not just going to rebuild. I I think they've got too much money invested. You don't you don't acquire Eichel to go into a rebuild. So, or do you acquire Eichel to build make your be um, build your team around him where he has a voice with the front office and saying, "Hey, we need to go out and try to get player A, B, and C to come in and help us." But if you trade Marshy, you I, I think you got to look for a young player player that's NHL ready that's like probably a first or second liner coming. Then a draft pick maybe on top of that. Yeah. Oh, it will be a first round pick, a player, and a prospect. But that, I think that player has to be a top player or a young kid that's like play, maybe playing third line minutes somewhere, but has the potential to be a first or second line. Yeah, I mean. It, you know, these are all things that we're going to watch play out. And, um, I mean, the only other you know, team first in their situation is Toronto. I mean, it all, it, it all sort of depends. Like, if Bergeron comes back, obviously, you still need to get a, a center. Um, because I, I think, you know, they, they need to have more depth down the middle. Um, I, I also think that overall, they're going to need, you know, they're going to need help on the back end. Like I think Grizzlick and Riley's gonna get moved. Um, the problem is, is that Mike Riley's got two more years at three million. God, that's that's bad. Um, and then Grizzlick's got two more years at three six, and he's you know his shoulders in eighteen pieces. So, I mean, they might just end up throwing him on long term injury because they said he he said he wasn't gonna be ready to start the season. So, yeah, there was talk that he might be like mid season around. Yeah, I, 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 think, I wouldn't mind seeing Marshawn gone, giving up Marshawn, giving up Riley, giving up Grizzlick, and bringing in like a Clayton Keller from Arizona. Yeah, I mean they they've got a the, the the mix of this team. It's just it's reached its ceiling, and you know they they need to start thinking. I don't say outside the box, but I mean they need to start. They need to rethink everything. Like, I, I mean. I mean, you also have to look at is Sweeney the guy to to lead this rebuild? Because if you're rebuilding or retooling, you're going to need the draft well. And his draft track record has been spotty. I mean, it's 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 been slightly better. Um, but again, nobody really knows. Like if like Fabian Lysel looks good, but nobody really knows. The only reason why I said he might be up with a big club next year is. I mean, I've had enough of Craig Smith and, you know, the third line being a minus fucking 14 in the playoffs this past year against Carolina. Like they were absolutely atrocious. And I mean, you could find a lot of people, you know, a lot of players, no matter where they're playing to be to be that terrible. I mean, I I would tend to think that, you know, you could do better than that. That's the only thing I'm saying. 
I don't think you can move Coyle with his contract, though. No, no Coyle's got to move. Craig yeah, Coyle didn't hurt us this year. If it wasn't for Coyle, we never would have made it to game five. Yeah, well, Coyle didn't have a great. They were on the ice. Game seven, they were on the ice for two goals against uh, that low to high play. They just, as soon as they saw that line on the ice, they're like, let's go low to high. And, um, you know, I feel like, you know, they really feasted on, especially like Trent Frederick. Like, <laughs> he sucks. He, he's, he's terrible. Sucks. He's, like, real, like, real quick, looking at LaSalle, right? Like, again, he first round pick, 21st overall. The kid is not blowing it out of the water. He played, I'm just looking at his stats. His first year of juniors um, in 1920, he played 11 games, had six points. Following season, he played 11 games, had uh, 13 points. The year after that, he played in the Swedish Hockey League. He had three points in 26 games. Juniors, he had 62 points in 53 games. The Vancouver Giants, like, I want to see what he can do against actual professionals. Like, yes. send him over to Sweden to play in the Swedish Elite League where Matthews went before he turned pro and see how he does over there. If he's putting up 62-plus points a game, um, a season, and, okay, maybe he is NHL ready. But he's playing against kids his own age. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, a different, it's a different level. You know, it, it, he's not. He needs to play against bigger, stronger men. He needs to play against men. I mean, yeah. do I see him coming in next year and fighting for a spot? Yes. Do I see him making the team? If I if he makes a team, I think it's going to be because if the if Cassidy and the Mastoas coaches and Sweeney's still GM, I think it's going to be because they had no other options. That might be the case. That's see, that's what I'm thinking is that I, I don't know if they have. You know, they certainly don't have other options in Providence. I mean, like, who who do they have? Oscar Steen? I mean, good good God. Like, they, they've got, you know, nothing. They have a lot left. of bottom six guys, but no top six guys. I don't even know if they've – I don't even – bottom six. I, I don't even know if they have guys who 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 are NHL players. I mean, I, you know, they, they're, they're just basically cannon fodder. Like, I'm just looking at, you know, some of the guys they had up this year. You know, Stephen Fogarty, like – you know, um, Jesper Froden, they took a flyer on him. He was a Swedish elite league guy. Um, one guy, here's one guy I think that kind of got lost in the shuffle that I did like, and I'd like to see him get a long look in training camp is Mark McLaughlin. I think that kid's got some, I think that kid has some ability and, um, he doesn't have top six ability though, but they, (laughs) he's better than Nick Foligno. I'm fucking better than Nick <laughs> Let's just, come on. I mean, I'm just yeah. grasping at some positivity here. I, like, I could wheel around and do better than Felino. And, and I, I agree. I, I think the kid has potential, but we're, we're looking. Your teeth, though. But we're looking at bringing in players that are going to make an impact to get this team to the next step. Because I, you're realistically, look at you're most likely going to lose Bergeron, which then means you're probably going to lose Marshawn, right? Then that leaves you with Pasta. You gotta admit, Pasta was invisible in the in the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, he he, 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 he was, wasn't he, was a treat, yeah. he wasn't who he was. I mean, it, it's very hard to to see like to say that McLaughlin's going to step in and be an impact player because you know what? He didn't see one playoff game. No, he didn't. But I mean, 
he, he just came from. Yeah, college. that surprised me a little bit. Why wouldn't you take a flyer on him or later he, on in the series? He's 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 uh you know he's three years old. Just put it in the development wheel. He is three years older than Lysel. He plays a different game, and that's how guys cut their teeth in the NHL. Like Brad Marchand, people forget he didn't score a goal his first twenty games. His first season in the NHL, he had one point in twenty games, and he was a fourth line guy. And yeah, I was just gonna say of, he was a bottom six guy when he first. Yeah, came he up. worked his he worked his way up. So like, I'm not saying Mark McLaughlin's gonna come in and, and center, you know. <laughs> Marchand or in or in uh, Berger or um, Pasternak, but I just think, you know, let him get, you know, let him play, you know, get get his feet wet. If he's re- if he's ready to play in the NHL, he might he might not. You're right. He might have to spend an, another half season in the AHL. But I'll tell you this: he's flashed a lot more than than fucking Jack Stadnika, who I've been hearing about, you know, for years and years, and he's. You know how many chances has he got? I, I don't even know. Has he scored a goal in the NHL, Stadnika? Like he's he's had a good three quarters of an NHL season in games in total to kind of prove his worth. And he has been, uh, you know, thirty seven. All right, thirty seven games, one goal in thirty seven games in the NHL. I mean, you know, no, I mean, they they clearly they're gonna have to do something. I mean, the main question you, is though is do you guys think Sweeney is going to be the GM? I honestly, if I had to say, I'd say yes right now. I don't think I don't see anything from the front office saying that they're looking at moving. I I haven't heard. I mean, there hasn't been any scuttlebutt, uh, BJ. I mean, it's fifty fifty. I mean, I, I don't know. I I I think it could go either way. I got a question though. It, I know he's getting hammered for all the drafting, though. I mean, how much is it on him, and how much is on the scouting staff? I mean, how many? I mean, what is this? I think, yeah, I think right. it's fifty-fifty. I think he's got to be better, and he's got to tell his 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 um, right. drafting staff on what what they're looking for. Yeah, and he's clearly not doing that. I mean, and I'm just looking at Cap Friendly real quick. The other thing you have to look at is next next year. Pasta's in the last year of his contract, and he's a UFA come 2023-24. Yeah. It, you know? Uh, like – And at probably eight or nine, maybe? He's probably going to be asking for eight at least, minimum. Yeah, he's going to be asking for big money. I, so, if Bergy retires, if you move Martian, then your first line's going to be Hall and uh, Pasta centered by – Bye. You put Coyle up there. Coyle plays well yeah. with those two. I mean, I think he, he's he, it's either him or Holla right now. What's on what's on their staff, their team right now? It's one of those two. You know, and then then there's the question: What's going to happen with DeBrusque? Is he still going to be looking to be traded, or now that they sign him to this new deal, are they going to look at be keeping him? I know it was brought up in his exit meeting, like press conference, where. He's like, you know, it's something I haven't really thought about since since the trade deadline. And, you know, I've been, you know, having a really great time with the guys around here lately and, and you know, getting close with them. He's like, so, you know, it's something that I need to think about. I think they need to keep them at this point. I mean, who else that's that age on that team that's putting up points like him? I never you, say never on anybody trading a guy. Like, if you it, can get a – if you can get a – I mean, I'm not trading for nothing – 
But if you can get a if you can get a good return for him, like if you can get a a, a center, not a first line, because you're not getting a first line center for Jake DeBrusque, but if you can get a, a capable, you know, second, maybe even third line center, I'd consider it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so many so many what ifs, or they should, or this and that up in the air that I don't think we're really gonna know uh, anything first, for the, at least the next month or so. Yeah, oh no! The first not so- domino to fall has got to be Berger. That's the first domino. Yeah, that's oh, the yeah. first I mean, domino to fall. That's your captain. He, it, you know, he didn't sound overly confident that he was going to be coming back. Yeah, I know. The, just watching him like on the way out, everybody hugging it. This kind of may look like maybe he let them in on something. Maybe I don't know. I'll tell you who they need to get rid of is fucking Tomas Nosek. Holy fuck, is he bad? He yeah. had years though in, in, in Vegas, but he is not the same guy here. I don't know what the deal is there. Well, uh, you know, it, it's you. I would probably. I, I kind of think that you know, Vegas. He's he was playing a you know he's playing a role where you know I, I think he was playing with better players. Not that I'm saying that it, it's uh, it's the players around him fault. I'm, I'm just saying that. You know, you look at the role he's asked to fulfill. I think as the year went on, I think no six play dipped. I'm not sure maybe if he was playing through an injury, um, but he definitely he was definitely fighting it by the end of the season. Um, you know, and he was he's had eight goals the last three years in Vegas. Um, you know, he's never he never put up great offensive numbers, but yeah, he just. He just looked, he looked like he better. was struggling out there. And part of the reason, too, you know, look at look at who he was playing with. I mean, the only guy I thought on the fourth line that was worth a damn this season was Lazar. I, I think, I, I think you know, Felino was just a freaking black hole. I tweeted it out. Two goals in 64 games, 1.9 million a goal. That's just, I mean. I mean, Lazar is a good fourth liner. He kept, he's good straight head speed. He's always working hard. He's yes. always playing the body. He's always noticeable. Like he's always, he's, he's noticeable. He's around the net. I mean, he had, uh, you know, he didn't have like unbelievable numbers, not that fourth liners really do, but 16 points. And, you know, I, I just, I noticed him. He played his role well. And, um, you, you know, he's, he's a, he's a factor. Like Nick Foligno, I felt like was never a factor. He's trailing the play. I just think, you know, I, I just think he's done. He's cashed. I mean, he's like, again, I've used it before, like the power running back in football or the power forward in hockey where they just play so many games. And at one point he was a, he's a pretty good player, but he's, he's another one. that might just hang him up. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a thousand games now. I, I think he's, I think he's cashed. I mean, he might, he might sign somewhere else. Uh, well, actually, no, he's, they he's have not another year. year. You got another yeah. year. They'll probably yeah, they, buy him out then. There's no say, way they can buy him out. They're going to buy him out. I can see Felino getting bought out. I can see um, Wagner getting bought out. Though, which I thought Wagner was great in the playoffs when they put him in the lineup. I Yes, I agree. Like, why he wasn't, I mean, why they replaced him with Frederick in game seven, I still don't get. You know, like it's it, it, there's just so many what ifs that it's going to. People are going to be looking for answers for over the next, you know, couple several months, and 
my biggest thing is like I I just don't have a feeling that Cassidy so be the coach. You, oh, you think he's gone too? I think he's gone. I I'm, I hear rumblings that he's not well liked by most of the guys on the team. I I just think if they're going rebuild, that they're going to need a different voice in there. Like, I mean, Fuck I man, like him. I like him as a coach. You I, need I a developmental guy. Bring in Tortorella. Oh, that's a, I would light a fire. <laughs> that'll be great. The millennials, I'm sure, will definitely relate to torts. You know, you think Jake DeBrus thought, thought Bruce Casty was hard. You bring in Tortorella, you might as well think he's a till of the hun for Christ's sakes. Seriously, it's it's going to be if, interesting to see what happens. So, if you rebuild, do you dip into free agency and spend or not? Depends you got to fill out your roster unless you want to go in the lottery. That's the thing. They need some top. And talent. And the only way to get that at this point is going to be to go into free agency. I don't know who's available, but. Um, I, I looked at, you know, free agency. You know, I, I made the mistake. I was, you know, it, it's funny because I didn't watch a ton. I mean, I watched the Predators in the playoffs play a little bit. After they lost game two, I was just like, whatever, because I knew they were going to get swept by Colorado. They went to overtime. That goalie Ingram was played outstanding. Gave him a chance to win game two. They didn't. But, um, you know, Philip Forsberg, I, I've seen him. You know, he, he's going to be a free agent. He's a wing that can play center. I'm not 20, sure. Is he like I'm 28, not, 29? Yeah, I'm not sure that feels exactly what the Bruins are looking for. However, he did score 42 goals, which is nothing to sneeze at. So, I mean, I would – I mean, he's a guy that's available. I mean, if Genny Malkin – is available. He's, you know, 35. I, I don't see him coming here. I, I don't see why would he come here? This team isn't close. Uh, yeah. He's going to look for another, I he, mean, out of Pittsburgh, he's going to look Pro-check for is a free agent. I mean, you I got, would be a bit surprised if he signs in Carolina again, but. Philip Forsberg, you have Johnny Goudreau that a free agent. Max Domi's a free agent, but then again, Max Domi didn't really do a whole lot except for game seven or yeah. game five, whatever it was. Um, Nino Niederreiter, he he's a beast. Are you talking about um, wings or centers? I'm just talking about UFAs in general. Okay. Just looking at the top of the list. Yeah. Um, who else? Andrew Kopp's going to be a free agent. I like him. Uh, with the- Listen, you know how we always say that, like, they need to fucking toughen up and get some big beast on defense? Yeah. How about you bring in fucking Nikita Zadorov? Oh, I love him. From from Calgary, absolutely. Yes. He's I, a big boy. They need, I mean, they need tough. They need toughness. You know, they need to get bigger in front and in back. Like I, another player we haven't talked about this year. I felt like regressed big time, and I just think he's taken too many hits to the head, and he's one more head hit from being retired. As Carlo, I mean, he he's got to be done, man. He's, he's just. I mean, he's 20, he's probably 25 now. He's just, he's supposedly supposed to be entering his prime. And he looks, he looks cashed, like stick a fork in him. He looks, he looks shy. Like he, he kind of looks like he's tentative. He doesn't want to get hit again. You know what I mean? Like he's playing in a way not to get hit. I mean, it's a shame because I mean, in 2019, he was, he was a heck of a, he was a heck of a player. He was a heck of a defenseman as far as, for a second puck, round pick too. Moving the puck in short areas. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but you know, watching him every game, like the this decisions he would make at the puck and how he would defend in 
and with his feet in 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 skate and and as far as uh you know having great stick position like he just I don't I don't know what it was. Maybe maybe it was because Grizzlick was so f- we fucked up with the shoulder this year. Maybe he felt like he had to, you know, drag him around the ice. I don't know, but I mean, well, I'll tell you right now who's going to be one of the hottest free agents on the market this in these offseason. We Nazem Kadri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I think he's the product of uh, I think he's a product of what's around him. I I wouldn't I wouldn't pay big money for him. Dude, he's only making four and a half million dollars this year. Yeah, I think he's gonna get. A, I think he's gonna make double next year. Somebody's gonna pay him. I think Colorado's gonna keep him. Yeah, I mean they they have to move some stuff around, but they might. Like he's a guy that I put, uh, you know, in that Tony D'Angelo category where he's a hell of a player, but he's a fucking time bomb. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, would you feel comfortable giving? A guy like that, five years and forty-five million. No, <laughs> not yeah. five for different reasons. Like Kadri, Kadri is in the Martian category where, like, he'll get he could get suspended for like forty games. Like D'Angelo, I, I feel like is such a loose cannon. Like he'll do something stupid off the ice. Like he seems like that kind of guy. Yeah, it it, it will. I mean, there's definitely some players out there that I think would be. Great for the Bruins, like I said, Forsberg, Goudreau, um, Zadorov on D. But those are guys like mainly Goudreau and Zadorov, uh, not Zadorov, uh, Goudreau and um, Forsberg. Like they're going to be looking for eight plus million dollars a year, if not more. Yeah, well, especially Johnny. Uh, Jane. I mean, fuck, Goudreau had what 114 points this year. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, the oh, guy he's and, get paid. and he's now in the you know battle of Alberta against Edmonton, like. Holy shit! If those games weren't so late, I'd be stamped to watch every single one of them. I, I don't yeah, know. Final, did you see the final game against uh, Dallas? That was a hell. Ottinger yeah. was amazing. Ottinger, he almost stole that game. And I forget um, who was it going through the line. Told him he's like, "You are going to have a great fucking career." Yeah. You know when they're doing the handshake line, they're like, even yeah. like, looking at Goudreau right now. He's a UFA. Um, He's making six point seven this year. He's gonna be. He's gonna be making. He had one hundred and fifteen points. He's gonna be eight and a half to nine. He's. He's gonna be. I'd say he's gonna be a minimum nine next year. He might get ten. I mean, it, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. But getting back to the Bruins, I just don't see. I just don't see how they can bring in big name free agents when they've got all this cannon fodder making you know money on the roster like there's nobody with like an egregiously atrocious contract for long term but they're all making like you know two million three million and it adds up like i'm looking at you know they got um you know they get trent frederick is still an entry-level deal but he's making over a million wagner they'll buy out no sick for another year at one seven i like holla keep him around but um craig smith another year at 3.1 Nick Foligno, 3.8, like, you know, Charlie Coyle. Here's the thing about Charlie Coyle. What's he at, five and a half? 5.2. For, uh, listen, I like the player if he's a bottom six guy in in, depending on the matchup, but you just got to, you just got to have more. What were we just talking about? Some of the guys they were making, like Nazem Kadri making four or five, and Charlie Coyle's making 5.2, like, 
dude, you gotta you gotta have more from him. And he signed through twenty twenty six with a full no move and no trade. So I got to disagree with you on that because I thought he was one of our more consistent, reliable plays this year and was one of our more um, difference maker plays this year, to be honest with you. This is the first season he's had in a few seasons where he was healthy. You know, and when, you know, he got his knee taken care of and now look at his stats from last year to this year. You know, he, again, we don't go on to game five if it wasn't for him in DeBrusque on that with the shorthanded goal. You know, and yeah. then in the then he scores the power play goal. Like I I I think Charlie Coyle is right exactly where he should be money wise and position wise in the lineup. Yeah, that third line center is a good spot for him. He fits really well there. Five point two million for a third line center. That's expensive, but, no matter but, what. But he's also he's getting that money because he's a first round pick. That that most of his money is based off where you get drafted. He's getting first round money. He's a first round pick. Well, I mean, then you need to have first round production. Yeah. So I think he, I think he's exactly where he should be money wise and, and stat wise. Well, I mean, I, I just, I think for what they're going to ask him to do, he needs to produce more. Like he needs to be at 25 or 30 goals next year without Bergeron. I mean, he's going to be, regardless of whether, who the hell they bring in, whether Bergeron comes back or, you know, if, especially if Bergeron's gone, he's going to have to, he's going to have to take his game to an even higher level. And you know, I is he capable of doing that? He's shown flashes. Like in 2019, I thought he was their most consistent player in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. he was, he was absolutely balls in the postseason in 2019. He had he was nine goals in 24 games. But um, you know, yeah, he was hurt last year. I'll give that to you. It just, you know, but then you also have to- the game, maybe it's just the game seven, the last thing I saw in game seven, but um, but you, you know, have to look at it this way: to score goals, to score goals, where do you need to be on the ice, right? On the ice. So if he's on, if he's on, if he's getting more ice time at, on the second or even first line, I guarantee you that 16 goals he had this year is 25 to 28. Oh, easily. Well, I was just gonna say, who is he playing with? Like, take out Trent Frederick and put, you know, a capable a capable player on that side, take out Craig Smith and put in, you know, oh, Craig Smith had there. 20 goals though. So that's Craig Smith had 20, no, Craig Smith had 20 goals this year. I believe so. That doesn't even sound oh, right, but I believe it. Cause he was on the score sheet an awful lot. Yeah. He no, would, Craig Smith had 16 no, goals. He had, he had, him and oh, Coyle had the same amount. He had Coyle had 16 goals, 28 points, uh, 28 assists for 44 points. Smith had 16 goals and 20 assists for 36 points. Ah, okay. Well, he definitely yeah, had some still, timely here's, ones. There's here's no doubt. The bottom line for what that in this Eastern Conference right now, it's not good enough. I'm sorry. Look at the teams that are in the Eastern Conference. It's not good enough. So, you know, well, I think that that second line has got it. That's where you got to get some more production too. Like Taylor Hall, he had flashes, but Taylor he, Hall had four more goals than Charlie Coyle this year. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, I think he's got to 
I mean, you're relying on him to be a goal scorer on that second line. He's, just he's not... more of a playmaker. Like, and he's and he's a first overall pick. Taylor Tyler debate being settled right there. We've sampled both flavors here in Boston, and well, they seem to be about equal. Eh. For one <laughs> second, I just want to give props to a guy. Um, a couple guys. I thought the I thought Forbert was a fucking animal in the postseason. Him and him and Clifton like. They probably played their role the best out of anybody outside of Brad Martian. A couple of games, Brad Martian was unreal uh, at home, but like that's a guy who fucking balled out and played his ass off. I, I get, I got to give Forber credit blocking shots, um, playing a, a bunch of minutes. Um, I mean, how, how often was he on the penalty kill? I mean, basically it felt like half the game. He stayed on for like almost two minutes a lot. They're, they're in the, in the, in the yeah. So so to so to get back into the negativity, uh, Ben. So you you ask us who can't come back. Well, who are you not are you sending saying, a birthday party are you invitation saying, to? Are you saying just the one player that comes to mind, or like who's the who's the first general? player that comes to your mind? Probably. I hate to bury a kid, but I move. Well, yeah. Well, Felino Frederick, but I, I I think I'd try to move Grizzly. To be honest with you, he's hurt. He, yeah, they're not gonna. He's. I mean. I agree if he was healthy, but I don't think you can even trade an injured player, can you? Or if you could, you're only going to get pennies on the dollar, right? I now. think I think Grizzlick stays until next year's trade deadline. I mean, I they're going to have to move him Frederick, for money purposes too. I mean, they have too many. Like, when you look at their defense; they get like five guys that are, that are all in that same category. That are like backs, backs guys. That it's just a backlog there, but they don't have anybody to fill that second pair at this point. I'll, I think I think if Zaboral stayed healthy, um, he'll be the second pair. But who plays with him? Um, oh, Carlo, Carlo. Yeah. Oh yeah, Carlo's your second pair. Yeah, Carlo. I mean, I mean, we just talked about him. I mean, you know, you can't. You know, they're not going to trade everybody. I mean, you just some of these guys. You just got to hope that they rebound and have better seasons. And whether that's because they they were trying to do too much or they were injured, you know, you got to hope that Carlo who's still relatively a young player, he can bounce back and be what he was three years ago. Cause I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to be able to move him. I mean, never say never, but I mean, he signed through 20, 2027, him and McAvoy, him McAvoy and Lindholm have the longest contracts on the team. And that's includes forwards. I know I just said all defensemen, but. That's because they're the long. They have those are the three guys that have the longest. Uh, yeah, I mean your first time. pair obviously is set for years to come, but that second pair I think is still needs work. Yeah, I mean, needs some work, all right. That's for sure. If regardless of handedness, whether it's right, if you, you, they just need to find the best defenseman they can for that second pair. You know, in and I, I haven't taken a look at who's available as far as uh, as far as free agents, but you just. They gotta. They have to try and upgrade. And again, what's coming through the system? I mean, Mason Lorai is probably minimum two or three, probably three years away from from being ready to play. I mean, we talk about like Sal, you know, coming up. I mean, defensemen take even longer than forwards to develop. So, um, so I'm gonna read you the top, let's say, ten free agent defensemen. Not taking into account handedness, just. Number one they list, probably because he makes the most money, is P.K. Subban. I don't want him uh, because I just think he's cashed. I, 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 think he's, I think he's done. 
Then you have Latang, Giordano. <laughs> I'm not even Johnny Boychuk. That's just because he's on injured reserve. He's right, not right. Um, Anton Strawman, Nick Letty, who I actually wanted them to Bruins to get at the trade deadline for St. Louis. Danny DeKaiser, eh. Calvin DeHaan, not a bad player, not a bad defenseman. John Klingberg, that would be amazing, but I think he's going to command too much money. Josh Manson, who I actually think could fit a big, tough defenseman. And then uh, Oli Mata from the LA Kings. He sucks. Yeah. Then there's a couple like Justice Schultz, Colin Miller. Um, I'd love to see Zador off here. That would be great. I was just going to say, I like that idea for – you know, he's only 27. It feels like he's been in the league for 15 fucking years. His size, he plays, he plays like he's big too. Like there's I mean, Forbert and Carlo are big guys, but they just don't play like they're big guys. I would love to see Zadorov and Sharat with the bees. Yeah. There you go. Or another even the, even the kid Will Butcher. He's a he's I think he's better. He's got a good player. offensive skills. Yeah, you know, here's here's the other thing too. Like, and actually, here's another like if if they couldn't get any of those guys, a a good physical defenseman who's still playing right now for Calgary, Erica Branson. I think he's had a little bit of a resurgence, and he's still only thirty years old. But you know, getting back to like the whole thing with Grizzlick, and this is just general. This isn't even about like his injury, and I get it. Obviously, honestly. If he was that hurt and he looked like he was fucked up out there, they, I was like, I'm like, there's something wrong with him. Like physically, he shouldn't have been playing. Like that's a, I know you're never going to, I know guys are always going to say they can play, but that, that isn't like, you know, I blocked a he shot. He almost looked like I, he couldn't defend himself. Yeah. Like that, like that, yeah. that Svechnikov hit that he took, that was, that was, bad. that was tough to watch. I felt bad for the guy, but, but about Grizzly in general and his, like a uh, spot in the lineup, you know, listening to guys talk, whether it's, you know, like Jaffe and Razor were saying that they like the way the puck comes off a McAvoy stick in that role on the point when they shoot the puck better than Grizzly. Just, it is, it's just the way to the puck spins off of the, uh, off the guy, off of McAvoy stick as a righty, as opposed to a lefty. So that was even, you know, looking back on that, that was even more foolhardy for them to think that, oh, you know, Grizzlick's going to replace Tory Krug when, you know, you you weren't he he wasn't. I don't think he was capable of that. I, I think no. he's an NHL defenseman. I think he's a third pair guy. I think he's a, you know, I think he's a, a knockoff Matt Hunwick. That's who he is. <laughs> nice throwback reference. Yeah, Matt Hunwick played a long time in the league. Was a speedy guy. Um, could play on the power play. You know, but like, is anybody gonna? You know, no one's gonna confuse Matt Hunwick with fucking, uh, you know, Chris Letang or Kale McCarr, that type of offensive defenseman, or not even you know Tory Krug. Like, you know, Krug for all the for all the shit I gave him for like being like Raggedy Andy on the back of Pat Maroon. Like, he played his fucking ass off, and he 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 would step up and hit guys. Like he he just um. You know, sometimes when he was playing on the first or second pair, he would get caught in those matchups, especially on the road. But like, there's Grizzly is no by no means anywhere close to Tory Crew. He's closer to Matt Hunwick. Did I put everyone to sleep with that? No, not at all. <laughs> I think we're all just you know stuck on the Matt Hunwick reference. We're I'm sorry, there. dude. I back in time. <laughs> that was good. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. 
What about, uh, I mean, let's talk about goaltending now, because obviously with the changing of the guard, finally, and uh, we got Swayman up here, and I like what ended up finally happening and becoming with Olmark. You know, it was a shaky start, but he settled right down. Let's not forget, too, the Tukarask thing was in the middle of the season, if you remember that early on, and we're really lucky that that didn't throw a whole wrench in everything in the middle of the season, you know? And I think you got to give Swayman credit for that, because he got sent down, he didn't out. yeah. Came back up and played well, you know. And uh, but obviously now Swimman was down uh, with the Providence Bruins, and you know we brought him up. So now who's taking the place, and where's the pipeline going from there? I know we do have a couple of attendees signed, and we look that up right now. But I'm just curious to take a look at where that's going because obviously that's pretty important to know. The goaltender situation. I mean, you know. The situation, you know, having Allmark signed to uh, five million, you would look at that and say, you know, maybe a little skeptically. But when you when you consider that Swayman really isn't making a lot, um, he, he's got another year next year before he's an RFA. Um, they've only have five point nine million committed to the goaltending position between those two guys, so that's pretty good. And then you factor in that like. We talked about, we, you know, we kind of ripped apart the decor, you know, the goaltending situation, you know, was uh, they played, they played good. Um, you know, they weren't Vesna trophy level, but all that considered, what I'm saying is the Bruins were f- fourth in goals allowed this year, fourth best in goals allowed. So I think that speaks to the talent overall of the goaltenders, but also the system that Cassidy employs. You know, and, and I think there's something to be said for that. I, I think the defending part of the game, I mean, it came up to bite it, bite, bite them in the ass in the playoffs, but they need to find ways to get more goal scoring. They, they need to find way. They need to find another goal scorer in their top uh, in their top six. And I think that's what ended up biting them in the ass in the playoffs. I remember us sitting there. I remember Clancy saying it. I remember everybody saying it. Chigs the whole everybody saying they needed a forward. They did. They go, okay, they got Lindholm. That's great, but they need to get a forward too, because they're one, they're one forward short and um, they lost by a goal. You know, they were one goal away. So that's, that's going to be the trick. I agree. I mean, I, I'm personally, I'm kind of happy with the goaltending tandem they have right now. I think those two have a, a great bond. Um, I agree. I think the Tuka Rasting was a bit of a distraction for the two of them as they, they you know, Allmark and Swayman started to, you know, gel together. And then all of a sudden fucking Tuka comes back in and kind of disrupts that for a little bit. But um, I, I think, I think those What's two. The fuck that was too, huh? I, I think those two are going to be just fine together, to be honest with you. Um, I think Allmark is settling in pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we know, you know, the sky's the limit for Swayman. Um, so I personally, I'm not too worried about the goaltending whatsoever. So what do you, next so year, do you, what do you split it, like 60-40? Yeah, I mean, they they each played 41 games this year. Literally, down they, the middle. They, they split it right down the middle. Yeah. I think yeah. you give Swayman, I, I do, I do 60%, 40% next year. Let him get yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, and then obviously everything, you know, health-wise comes into play too. Make sure right. you don't want them to get hurt. Yeah, but at that point, it's just time doing what time does, and the two of them will eventually blossom into their ultimate potential. Is you know the ideal situation, and 
hopefully the two of them just continue to battle for that number one spot and you know it keeps it friendly competitive and top-notch and i'll be happy with that for the bees but still yeah, well, swimming today it was on the i saw that swimming got um added to the roster for the u.s team or something yeah yeah world yep. for the world championships he got added to the roster yesterday yeah that's good experience for him yeah, oh, you, if you go over there and you 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 know you do well, it, that's just going to build your confidence, and he's going to come back next year even more confident. Yep. You know, um, yeah, that's it looks know, good in red, white, and blue. Yeah, goaltending is the least of their worries. Um, I think they're in a good spot, and um, you know, like this team, like we're not talking about. They're not going to go in in totality. They're not going to go to like the bottom of the league. Like they they've got way too much talent. They've got too much. They got too much high-end talent, you know, between, you know, McAvoy and Lindholm, and then you got Pasternak, Marshan, Taylor, Taylor Hall, Hall. Um, whether or not Bergeron comes back or not. I mean, like, the, the team's just got too much talent to turn into, like, you know, the New Jersey Devils or Buffalo Sabres. But um, this Eastern Conference is no fucking joke. Like, you know, you, the first time ever you had four teams – with over a hundred or each, you know, four teams in each division having over a hundred points. And, you know, I think part of that a little bit was due to how shitty the rest of the conference was. Like there was a wide gap. Like there was no, uh, there was no middle class, if you will, like there was in the Western conference, but the teams in the Eastern conference were legit. And, you know, that's what the Bruins are going to have to compete with again. Go yeah, back. I mean, to, that, that to top eight was the top eight for like, half the season I mean, you knew who the eight people were in the in the eight teams that were going to be in the since like before christmas like yeah. it was i mean they had separated themselves from the other bottom half of that division or that conference yeah and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't close truth 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 so uh, i'm just looking here on cap friendly and uh, down in the uh, ahl they got troy grossneck and callum booth um, 32 and 24, respectively. A couple of big bodies down there. Booth is uh, 6'3", buck 99. Not bad at all, but uh, both of them are UFAs as of right now, so we'll see if they get resigned or not. Should we uh, – I mean, do you guys think either one of them deserves to get another contract here? No. I mean, <laughs> I – Plants will love it. I don't uh... – I'm not going to pretend – I wouldn't know those guys if they fell off. I was just no offense. <laughs> I was I, thinking the same thing, Meryl. Like, I wouldn't know Callum Booth from a phone booth, honestly. Like, <laughs> I I, wow. I think, you know, Providence – I mean, Providence – like, sometimes you see guys, you know, come out of nowhere. Remember the, the dude – what was his name? Up in – Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar. Like, you'll see guys in the AHL come out of nowhere or, like, uh, remember Michael Layton from the Flyers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're just sort of third goalies, and they just kind of – they'll play, like, two games a year in the NHL, and then they'll play a bunch of games in the AHL. Like, you could find those guys like that. Like, they had John Gillies earlier this year on a PT, or a, he was loaned out from another team. I mean, fuck. You know who <laughs> – this is the ultimate example, but you Bennington. know who was that? Yes, exactly. Yep. Bennington. Like, he was here for a hot minute or two. Yeah, I was here for a cup of coffee and a fucking morning dump, and he was on his way. Went back to – the only reason why he was even here in Providence was because St. Louis, for some weird reason, they didn't have an AHL team that season. I, I don't – I think it had something to do with, like, Vegas coming into the league and, like, 
Yeah, something like that. Like they they didn't have uh, some fucking weird rule. They had to like have like a split AHL farming out situation, but whatever. I mean, but the point is those goalies there, you can find them. Like they'll they'll find some guy, you know, maybe they'll bring in David Ayers from the uh, the, the, the e-bug. I mean, who knows? Those, <laughs> I mean, who the, I mean really like those guys are available like I just want to let me cut you off, man. No, no, good. But the other night, and we got to talk about this now. I don't know if you guys did while I was away. Jake Ottinger in Dallas, 61 saves, and he still gets beaten OT. And I could not believe what I was seeing. Did you guys actually get eyes on the game itself? Or I did. I watched. I, I, watched I did not. Game. Could not believe he was coming up with these saves. It was, and the uh, I was listening to the uh, Bally Sports uh, uh, broadcast, and the, the commentator's word choice. I mean, I've never heard it explained. I've the game of hockey explained that way. At one point, the commentators flat out said, "How did that happen? He's not human." <laughs> and I said, "That is the perfect way to put how he has played this game." Against the Calgary he, Flames, not he human. made some great like battling saves, like saves where he Unreal. was got back in the position. He's, I mean, he just battled his butt off in that overtime and in that third period. Yeah, he's uh, he's a hell of a player. I mean, he's a first round pick from BU, and and like that was that whole thing kind of set up though because they're in Calgary, the place is going fucking nuts. Like the Red Mile there, they were. They were probably drinking since like five in the morning that that day. <laughs> then you and then that you a great in. that was a great scene though the outside stuff outside the arena. Oh uh, yeah, there was just as many people outside than inside. But then yeah. like before the game, they had a defenseman um, who wasn't playing, and then Rupe Hints was scratched like five minutes before the game, so they had to dress uh, Dennis Garyanov like last second. Like, hey, here's a uniform. Like, like you know. You got we'll stuck play. in traffic before a beer league game, and you got to like throw your shit on and get out there. Like, you could just tell that that it was setting up that way. And like with those two big pieces out of lineup for Dallas, it was um, the shots at one point were like fifty-one to fifteen. But you know, it, it was it was a strange game because Jamie Ben scores on the first shot of the game by Dallas. Then you know, about ten minutes later, Calgary ties it up, and then like thirty seconds later. Dallas scored again to take the fucking lead. So, I mean, Calgary had to be like, you know, that's what caused even a bigger push because Calgary was like, we can't fucking lose this game with, you know, arguably one of their best players out of the lineup and uh, one of their top defensemen. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's in, in like the third period overtime, Calgary just it was literally a, it's a shooting gallery. They, they were in the offensive zone like 90% of those periods. 64 to 28 was the shots the, the total in the game. Oh, 67. 67 shots for Calgary in that game seven. I mean, that's now, I tell you that last shot though, Goudreau put in. That was that was sweet. That was that was a great yeah. shot in. Flopper top yeah. shelf. It was beauty. I couldn't yeah, believe it. it. And, you had to, it, it, it took a pure, like perfect shot to beat him. And that's yeah. why he's going to get paid in a few months. Yep. <laughs> well said. Totally. You guys you guys want to hear something even more comical about the Arizona Coyotes? Yes, please. Oh, good. Obviously, so obviously everybody knows that they're playing at Arizona State University now, which is a fucking joke. 
it just came out that Arizona Coyotes will not be allowed to have center ice logo at ASU. Well, I'm sorry. Good. I'm sorry. What? So yeah, ASU exactly. is not going to let them? ASU is not allowing Arizona Coyotes to change the center ice logo for their games. <laughs> well, <laughs> that know, is unbelievable. The, like Gary Bettman, just move the fucking team, will you? Like this is – this is fucking embarrassing. It's a. I tell you what, it's an it's an embarrassment to the NHL is what it is. It's an embarrassment. Mm. Obviously, I mean, the Coyotes have been embarrassed so long. They're like your uncle that shows up and they're like, you know, he's got like, uh, you know, he, he's half drunk to the uh, to the family cookout and he's got a wife beater that doesn't fit him correctly and it looks like a midriff. Like he, they're way beyond humiliation. But the NHL, at some point, the NHL has to step in and. You know, just just put a stop because this is a farce at this point. It, it is it is a fucking it's a joke. It's a it's a mockery. I mean, I would I mean, assume I there's got to be some. To I would think there's got to be some bylaw in the NHL guidelines that allows them to come in and like if you're not running the franchise correctly, should allow them to just say. I mean, it it, it just make them sell Clance, it. Clance, you gotta come on. I want to hear what you have to say on this, Clance. You. The smile that he just dropped, folks. Get ready, buckle up. It's. I need to hear this. It's an absolute fucking disgrace, and it's an absolute fucking slap on the dick. It's like getting fucked without lube and not even getting a goddamn fillet dinner before it. If I'm a player on the Arizona Coyotes, I'm begging. I'm fucking banging on my agent's door. At get two o'clock in the morning, saying, "Get me the fuck out of this shit show." I'll go to Buffalo. It's exactly. I'd rather go play in fucking Buffalo. Yeah. At least they have their own goddamn arena. Like, at least they care about hockey. They, like, have, they have legitimate fans in Buffalo. That's that's the other thing. So, like, like, not only did the Arizona Coyotes have to give up, give Arizona State University twenty million dollars to build their own area locker room section and everything like that on campus at the rink. Like now you, they're not even allowed to have their own fucking logo on the ice. Like Jesus. That's Christ. horrifying. That that's like a girl giving you a fucking blow job and not swallowing, spin it back in your face. <laughs> wow. Uh, damn. Hey, you, damn oh, man. You wanted to hear it. I just put it out there. <laughs> I was just oh going to say my. it was like a teabag, but wow, you took it to a... Ding, ding. It, wow. It, it's fucking embarrassing. These guys are professionals. Professional fucking oh, that, athletes. Wait a minute. That, that, no organization, that organization has not been professional for probably eight years now. I'm yeah, talking but... about the players themselves. Oh, okay. The players themselves are professional athletes making millions of dollars a year. And now you're going to degrade them to go play at a college university. And a small college ring, too. But, but here's the thing. It's like, so they're giving this school $20 million to build their own area, own locker room area, separate from Arizona State's. But yet, I heard Paul Bissonette on Spit and Chicklets talk about how there's another arena in Arizona, I forget where it was, that holds like fifteen to 16,000 people. That, yeah, needs I, about, yeah. that needs about fifteen to seventeen million dollars in renovations. So if Probably you have twenty million dollars to give to a college, 
Why would you not say, okay, we'll give this rink $15 million, save five, and have it upgraded to our needs and actually give these guys a professional arena to play in? But see, that's where I think the NHL has, should have stepped in there. You I know? agree. I mean, they should have mandated that, you know, they had a legitimate NHL facility for these guys to play in. It's embarrassing. Like, if I'm a young kid like Clayton Keller, who's just making absolute millions of dollars and lighting it up, I'd be like, this is a joke. I already went to college. I already played at BU, and I'm pretty sure Aganis Arena holds more fucking people than this rink's going to. Yeah, it does. I think, you know, like. I can't believe they're paying me millions of dollars to play in front of a few hundred people. Like. So, his, well, that was his, the other that, thing. Their season tickets, they've sold like 500 tickets for season. Tickets. Yeah. <laughs> that probably the, exceeded expectations. Here's the best part, right? Shane Dome, legendary captain of the Arizona Coyotes, Hall of Famer, yeah. unbelievable player. His son is a stud at Arizona State University who happened to be a second round draft pick by the fucking Arizona Coyotes. So, this kid doesn't even have to move. Like the kid doesn't go to get experience the the you know the roaring you know sound of twenty thousand fans screaming for you at a home arena. Screaming oh. against you, man. Hey, I'm gonna. Your classmates already cheer for you playing at ASU. Now they're just gonna come cheer for you again playing at fucking for the Arizona Coyotes. That kid even had their own goddamn logo on the ice. I mean, it's a fucking disgrace. It 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 boggles the mind. I mean. It also boggles the mind that, uh, you know, <laughs> we've talked about it for this long, but it's just, you know, it's so absurd. It's like, it's, it's just so absurd. Like it's, it's something you, you see, like you have to comment on it. It's just, it defies fucking logic is what it does. Just, you know, let me tell you the, the Atlanta thrashers were way less of an embarrassment and they got fucking moved. Yeah. Like, yeah. Got to be some place that is better than there that move them to. I would, I would move. I honestly would move the Coyotes to Atlanta. Seriously, <laughs> before having them play there, it just move them to Quebec, Quebec bring anywhere, the, bring back Quebec the City, Houston, yeah, Hartford, wherever. Doesn't Quebec City have a new rink that they built? Like, oh, they've had a rink ready to go for like twenty years. Yeah, they had a, just in case everybody wants it, eh? Yeah, I mean they've been begging for a franchise, and they built the arena hoping it would come, and that it doesn't come yet. It's just it's insane. It's just embarrassing to those players. It really is, and it's a it just shows that that organization's a disgrace, and they didn't even put their foot down to to fight against it. You know, just well, part ridiculous. of the problem too was they uh, they didn't pay their lease on time, or or didn't pay it at all, or or something. I mean, I I mean it's always it's always something. It's like the family member that's always broke asking you for money. That's the Arizona Coyotes. Seriously. Yeah. That's a pretty good analogy. But, Sounds about right. You know, and the other thing I think about too is like most college arenas don't serve alcohol. You definitely I, need I, a drink I, I, to I, watch I, them too. I don't I know. know I don't know. If the, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, like again, it's arena does, but like um, BC's rank doesn't. Um, Bentley University doesn't. Harvard doesn't. Harvard has what they call the blue line room, which is for like alumni and like parents, players and stuff that you can go in there and have drinks in between periods, but you're not allowed to have drinks out on the concourse of the arena. Ridiculous. 
Awesome new uh, uh, arena that they have over at Bentley, by the way. Have you seen the new facility? Uh, I haven't been there physically, but I've seen pictures of it, and it, it's unreal. I've, I've One been of my, there. My roommate from college is um, a Division One referee, and he he refs there all the time. It was honestly wild. I had the opportunity to actually uh, interview Coach uh, DeFelice, uh, legendary baseball coach, and uh, actually shout out to him finally uh, retiring. Um, but yeah, when it was nearly brand new and just opened, I got to be one of the first to check it out and it was something else. You, once you walk into the door up the stairs and it was just like, wow, I didn't realize you could fit a mini TD garden anywhere like that, but it's true. I mean, it it was perfect. It was a complete bowl seating. It had all levels there. The boards were perfectly placed. I mean, you could have had a real nice game in there and they do, and they have lots of nice games actually. Uh, and the media, they, they had this great wall of media, cameras everywhere, placements were all perfect. It was just, wow, look at this high-scale NHL-style operation. Well done. So, yeah, awesome spot. And the Coyotes, yeah. And then the Coyotes, yep, that's what's going so, on. So so we didn't really talk about the series, um, but any guys have any thoughts, anything that sticks out to you in the series, uh, a stat? A particular play, just general thoughts of what the fuck they needed to score. Yeah, it just seemed like an awful lot of trying to be fancy, and nothing really came to yep. fruition. It hit a couple of times, but not enough yeah. times. The playoffs, a lot of times, it's a greasy, it's an ugly goal. It's one of those, you know, flex on three people to go in, and it just didn't seem like they were throwing the bucket the net enough. No, they, and I've been saying it constantly all year long they always try to make the extra pretty pass they try to make that extra curl and drag move instead of just keeping the fucking play simple and throwing the puck to the net and seeing what happens game seven they showed absolute zero desperation for the last four minutes and pasta got a lucky bounce to make it three two with 21 seconds left in the game if you had that intensity that desperation from the drop of the puck you would have won that game and then you'd be playing tomorrow night yeah no i i agree i i just think that um you know they had some guys who individually just didn't show up in the series or or they they were wildly inconsistent i you know i don't think i've ever seen an nhl playoff series where the home and road splits were so diametrically different but it just felt like when the Bruins were in Carolina they just had no shot they had no confidence their defensive structure was all fucked up that first goal that they scored in game seven it was like uh I forget who the defenseman was uh maybe it was Pesci might have been D'Angelo went low to high so Riley follows him all the way around the ice but the, the all the forwards get like sucked into the slot and they're all like three in a row. They're all out of position. You got a point open. You then they they also have a seam to get the puck through, and it ends up in the back of the net. It it just um, you know same thing happened on the second goal. Frederick hit a post. Then of course he loses an edge. Uh, leads to uh, you, you know leads to um, you know stretch pass up the ice. Domi is able to get in that bubble that where Frederick should have been, you know, Coyle's late getting there and there's too much of a gap between him and Forbert. It's in the net. It's too fucking nothing. See you later. I mean, I've never been, I've never seen a game where a two nothing lead 
in the series in general, when they, when Carolina got up by two goals, it felt like they were up six, nothing. It was like, they just got no fucking shot. Well, the thing what I don't understand, and I think this goes back to a coaching era is Carolina is known for that low to high style game. They always play. Yeah. You always have fucking film sessions in the locker room, individuals, all that stuff. Why are you not working on breaking that up at practice? So you're saying, okay, Bergie Airline, you guys are going to do the high to low play that Carolina constantly does. And then Hall, Hall, your line, you guys are going to, we're going to, this is what we're going to do to defend it and then implement that in the game. Because if you shut down that high to low game they play, you win the series. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. There was no adjustment made. There was no adjustment made on how they were covering that. It was just, you know, they, they just, they knew that Carolina, that was easy money for them. That, that, that was an easy money strategy play there that they knew they could always go back to and they could have success and get a scoring chance. That's how it worked out, folks, and that's how it went down. Um, hey, you know what? Carolina, it's the next Montreal. Because let's be honest, the, the Habs-Bruins relationship has kind of gone stagnant for the, for the now. I'm sure it'll pick up at some point when something dramatic happens, but... Carolina, new public enemy number one for the Bruins, no doubt. And they just physically kicked our ass the whole fucking series. They are big. <laughs> they got some big boys. They yeah, that was a that big. was a that hit against Lindholm. I mean, that was that was brain damage central right there, and it was a clean legal hit. I mean, I I had no issue with the hit. I when I first saw it, obviously, you know. Svechnikov skates into him going like 25 miles an hour. So like at first blush, it looked vicious and dirty. Then you saw it and like, oh, it's a clean hit. It's just a, it, it was just a whiplash of the of the speed of the two players who are both like 6'3", 220 pounds, slamming into each other. It's called a freight train, and it is what it is. Boys, uh, I think it's about time to go around the horn. Final thoughts here for the evening. Uh, Clance, we'll start with you, and we'll just go around the horn. Uh, I'm still in shock about this whole Arizona Coyotes thing. We all just, we all just heard my <laughs> thoughts on that. If that gets edited out, I will protest and strike and uh, not come back on for an episode until that is resubmitted for play. <laughs> Fine. It's, Listen, on, I, it's on you. I am, I'm the Paul Bissonette of Causeway Kings. I say it how it is. I don't have a filter. I never have. I never will. That's fair. I'll give if you, you that. Got, if nobody likes that, suck a fat one. <laughs> Fucking love you, buddy. That's why I went to you. I knew you were going to have something. I knew you It's were, so good to be I back, I tell you. I knew you were just sitting there laying in the weeds. I'm like, I know he, I know he's got something turning around in that fucking head of his. When I, saw I missed, that, I I missed this when I was gone, I'll tell you. When I saw that, I was like, you've got to be kidding. Like, they're not even allowed to have a logo there. Like, that's just an absolute joke. Well, it, it kind of it, it kind of fits the situation, though, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's like not shocked by it because it's such a shit show to begin with. Like... It's like moving in with a girl and she doesn't let you put, she doesn't let you put, (laughs) she doesn't let you put anything, anything of yours up. You you can't, you can't hang anything of yours. You can't hang any pictures. (laughs) 
you can't you can't have any 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 pictures of you like playing sports or any nothing nothing that shows that you live here i thought you were, <laughs> when you were starting out with hit put i was thought you were going so totally different direction there <laughs> or or totally different body part <laughs> yeah. oh, oh god on that happy um, note, guys, I think this has been a fun episode. I think we covered a lot of ground, and I thought a lot of mayhem and madness ensued. So that's always a good time. Isn't that what Causeway Kings is all about, my friends? That's all I'm saying here. Makes it entertaining, right? That's it. And right. St. Louis is St. Louis is beating Colorado one nothing, and Tampa Bay beat uh, the Panthers four one. Wow. Ooh. There's there's some clean talk for you guys, okay? <laughs> Who asked for that? <laughs> just 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 putting it out there uh we love you buddy all right folks well thank you for tuning in to another episode of causeway kings here on the wmex podcast network and as always keep your eyes and ears open you never know when we're going to pop up next but we will let you know when that is in the meantime my friends it was a fun season it was a long season it was a shit ending but it is what it is and the bruins they went so we're not going to say let's go bees anymore we're just going to say i have no idea what we're going to say what the hell are we going to say good night time to swing the golf club i'm not allowed to yet asshole um, oh that's right well one time to swing your ball swing your balls around then i don't know those swing them around be, every day those might exceed his weight limit because I got some big balls. <laughs> I knew he was going to say it. All right, that's it. We're just going to call it. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Have a great night. Boys, be well, be safe, and uh, hey, take care. Keep touch with yourself. There it is. <laughs>